It continues to be a competitive market for small businesses looking to attract and retain top talent. Wages have gone up, and at some point, small businesses need to explore creative avenues when it comes to finding and attracting new talent. And we're seeing that it's also important to take a different approach with the talent you already have. Welcome to HRpreneur. I'm Jim Duffy. From Main Street to your street, the HRpreneur podcast is centered around helping small businesses like yours gain the knowledge you need, from HR, payroll, and hiring, to time, taxes, benefits, and insurance. Today, we're joined by Karen Contractor. Director of Talent Acquisitions here at ADP, to discuss ways you can attract and retain top talent for your business. Karen, welcome back. It's great to have you on the show again. Thank you for having me back. So let's start here, Uh, Karen. Looking back to 2022, we can say the great resignation created several challenges for companies, not to mention the talent shortage. So what can we expect to see for the remainder of 2023? Well, 2022 was tough for most companies looking to hire. And based on observations so far this year, we are still seeing similar challenges. Too many open jobs and not enough people to fill them, right? So uh, I think what's concerning for many companies right now is that they are still spending a lot of time searching for the same talent from a year ago. And with the amount of people who have either left the workforce or are still waiting to return, or for those who have completely switched to a new profession, the talent shortage will most likely remain. And organizations are really going to have to think about ways to get creative while they focus on staying competitive. People out there are wanting to work. Uh, We just need to start evaluating talent differently. So Karen, you mentioned people changing their professions. How do you think career shifting is going to impact the market in the long term? Well, more and more people are feeling confident that they either possess or can acquire the skills needed to do a job. Uh, A large population of Americans changed their profession during the pandemic, and they realized they wanted something different and started to evaluate what their next career path would look like. This is also why companies are seeing more and more people apply to roles outside of their expertise. And uh, according to a recent study by Gartner, 56% of candidates report applying for jobs outside of their scope. So as roles become harder to fill, I think companies will have to accept that filling that one specific role in their industry will always be a struggle. I don't think that challenge is going to go away and it's concerning. You know, we are in an era where new professions are coming to light. You have YouTube and TikTok professionals now. So at some point, less and less options will exist for certain roles. So how do you embrace the population that is actually applying outside the scope or doesn't have all the experience, but they're willing to learn? It will be important to look at those transferable skills that make a candidate right for your role. Uh, you have to just get creative with the talent pool. So when you mention companies should get creative, is it mostly trying to find other avenues to find and attract talent? I think it's beyond that. Uh, This past year, several organizations focused on the best way to attract and retain talent. And although you have several companies taking the right steps to ensure they are the employer of choice, they are still struggling. Talent as a whole has shifted so much that some organizations are hitting a dead end, right? So I think the question is, What do you do when you think you're doing everything right and you still can't find that ideal candidate? And I think hiring managers should be asking themselves if they are creating any gaps when it comes to getting someone in the door and does the ideal candidate still exist? And I think companies really need to rethink everything from how they are reviewing a resume to someone's capabilities versus experience. 
experience can really be taught and adapted. So if you find someone that possesses the skills to do a job, are they worth taking a shot on? And sometimes it's not only about the hard skills, but focusing on soft skills as well. These are habits and abilities that shape how you work and they're not as easy to develop. So it's time to really take more of a non-traditional approach to your recruitment method and think beyond checking off the boxes. Just because you have always done it this way doesn't mean you shouldn't challenge your process or your methods. Excellent. So what are some examples you have seen when it comes to taking a non-traditional approach that can help businesses, say, rethink the way they are reviewing or bringing on talent? You know, I think it really starts with the basics. Rethink your job descriptions and focus on the results you'd like to see rather than the type of qualifications that you think could deliver them. Reevaluate the way you look at a resume. As you know, as a hiring manager, I know I've been guilty of rejecting a resume because the candidate was too jumpy in their experience or had gaps. So I think you have to ask yourself, if you're a company that has been searching for someone for the last six months, am I overlooking a resume for the wrong reasons? Am I making an assumption about someone before I've even spoken to them? We really don't know what that candidate has gone through and what may have happened in their previous roles. Just let's think about the last three years and all the things that could have happened to someone professionally or personally. Maybe their company shut down. Maybe they had to care for a family member or maybe they quit because they were in a harsh working environment. Give someone a shot and chat with them before putting their resume to the side. So Karen, any other examples? How are companies, for example, uh, viewing the education requirement? You know, we have seen several companies significantly shift their thinking on the education requirement where a four-year degree was required, but now they're open to candidates who may have a two-year degree or certifications, or they may come from vocational schools. There are too many people out there with the right experience, but they don't have the education required. And that doesn't mean they don't bring the same skills or knowledge to the job. And you're seeing several organizations right now that are even paying for people's education. When someone comes on board for that competitive edge, same with knowledge of tools and technology. And I understand specific industries require knowledge on tools uh, they use to perform a job, but rejecting a person who matches your job and hasn't used your system shouldn't be a reason to overlook them. This is where companies need to be open to training or really investing in the candidate so they can acquire the skills to learn the tool. So Karen, are you also seeing companies take a different approach to how they are engaging their current talent? There has been a lot of recent conversations around retraining, you know, retraining current employees. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Many employees have gained transferable skills that make them great candidates for roles. And employers that recognize this are able to help these employees continue to grow within their own company. You're starting to see companies take more risks and move people around or even promote them and then prepare them for their new role. Looking at transferable skill sets have really become a priority for many. There are also recession concerns right now, right? And companies are starting to become much more strategic about not adding headcount. They just wanna be on the safe side, but they still have the need. So they are evaluating their current employees to see where the opportunities are to upskill. So that's interesting. I can see how it can definitely make sense for companies to take this approach, especially when there's like an urgent need. Uh, and yet at the same time, they have limited resources. 
Yes, definitely. But companies also have to make sure they are really taking a proper approach to ensuring they're doing this right and not making it seem like they are throwing more work on someone out of desperation. We see that often. You should evaluate where and with who this transition should happen. Not every person or department is the best fit for this. So you have to identify the role, make sure it's aligned with the skill sets and capabilities. And the last thing you really want is for your employee to feel like this isn't aligned with what they want to do. That may send them looking for another role. So you have to create a proper training plan and set this person up for success. They should see it as an opportunity to really expand their skill set and grow. And if it's done right, this can be a success as well uh, to help your retention strategy. So Karen, flexibility has been a big topic for some for some time now, and several companies have adjusted to stay competitive in their market. Is there anything different you have seen other than work from home or hybrid structures? Well, I want to stress that fully remote and hybrid work environments are still top priority for most people, even today. The work from home desire isn't going away. And I know not everyone can work from home full time or even part time. You should think about the roles where working remote is possible and could that open up your talent pool to people who match what you need, but maybe live in a different state. Ideally, uh, companies should be focused on how they can embrace creating a flexible work environment to appeal to their market because flexibility can mean a lot of things. Based on your industry, there's only so much you can or can't do. And we are seeing certain industries that are struggling with finding talent. Uh, Reevaluate the hours and days in a typical work week is, is something you can do. So I want to emphasize that there are a lot of people who think part-time positions are ideal. Uh, think about working parents or even college students. As an example, you may have more luck finding two part-time customer service roles who want fewer hours and more flexibility as opposed to one full-time person. There could also be an opportunity for you to offer different hours to accommodate scheduling where someone starts earlier in the day or they have a late shift going into the evening or even a four day work week. That's become really popular where people work longer hours still allowing you to have coverage every day. That can add that competitive edge to your position. Again, you know, I know it all depends on the role, but there are a lot of opportunities to challenge your current process and get creative when it comes to promoting flexibility. That's excellent. So aside from flexibility, pay is still a big topic. And as we are seeing companies focused on wages stand out. And now that several states are also implementing pay transparency laws, so companies have to be really prepared and ready for that. What should companies be prepared for as they evaluate their compensation strategy? Well, pay still continues to dominate rejected offers. Uh, organizations are still struggling to meet pay demands. And I think the bigger challenge is that many companies are not prepared for the pay transparency laws being implemented in their states and local jurisdictions. For example, some laws require employers to provide pay range information for a position to applicants and employees. The laws generally fall under requiring the pay range upon request or at a certain point in the hiring process or requiring employers to include the pay range in a job posting. And many employers are still concerned because they aren't able to speak to their current pay structure. Some companies don't know why they are paying what they pay. But now is really the time for companies to use pay transparency to their advantage and embrace it. It makes your company more favorable and it builds trust internally with your current employees. The more you keep up with these laws, the more you can also be an organization that promotes pay fairness. 
that is what people want, but you have to lead with data, not opinions. So, you know, you should be using resources like compensation benchmarking tools that can help you evaluate where you stand against your competitors, not only in your industry, but your location as well. Uh, you also need to examine your internal structure and see where the opportunities are to fix the gaps. Are you consistently paying fairly based on gender, race, experience? All these things also allow you to promote pay equity. And lastly, you have to have a plan on how you can convey your reasoning, not only externally, but internally as well, when your employees want a better understanding of where they fall in your structure. Excellent advice, Karen. Again, uh, is there anything else you'd like to share? Any other advice you would give to those companies who have plans to continue hiring, but they need to stand out in this market? Yeah, I just want to remind employers that it is still an employee's market. We are hearing larger companies laying people off in the thousands, but you shouldn't assume you have plenty to choose from. As a small to mid-sized company, you should think about how you are going to be that employer of choice as people look at their next opportunity. What does your total compensation package look like? If you can't pay like the competition, then how are you compensating for that gap? And according to uh, Glassdoor, 80% of employees prefer additional benefits over a pay increase. This is where you have an opportunity to really showcase a rich benefits package for your people. That one size fits all model just doesn't work for everyone. Think about the people in your workforce and what's important to them. And we are seeing generational shifts come into play as well, right? People want companies to cater to them based on their priorities and what's important to them at this point in their life. Is it education perks? Is it additional insurance options for their families? There's wellness perks, whether it be health or financial. People just want options. And this can really allow companies to showcase they are invested in people's well-being and future. So continue to do what you can to show your people you are invested in them and be ready to make some changes for them as well. Fantastic advice, Kieran. Thank you. Uh, this brings us to the end of our episode today. And again, I want to thank Kieran Contractor for joining us. And I must say, we very much look forward to having you back on our show again soon, Kieran. So thanks again for your time. Presented by ADP, HRpreneur focuses on the entrepreneurs and business drivers who are shaping the growth of their companies and positively impacting the lives of their employees. With each episode, we'll bring the experts to you. We'll answer your questions and help you think beyond today so you can discover more success tomorrow. As always, thanks for listening to HRpreneur.